that's how we define a true referral. So the big question is, what are the top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? If you ever thought about this, you're not alone. No one has been able to get the answers until now. We spent the last few years helping agents sell billions in real estate, rubbing shoulders with top producers, which got us thinking. How can we expose more people to these insights to help raise the standard in the whole real estate industry? We then realized that we could help bridge the gap by getting secrets from the best of the best so that you can succeed. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today, we've got Stacey Brown Randall with us. She is an award-winning author podcast host and national speaker. Her book is Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different. This is someone who is an absolute boss at helping you generate more and more referrals, which are kind of the king of business and you know how you can really scale that and how you can make a better job of um, getting more referrals out of your business. So it's going to be super tailored to all you realtors listening. It's going to be fun and I'm looking forward to it. Stacey, thanks for coming on the podcast with us. Uh, willing to share your tips. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So what I want to do, which is what I always do, I always start these the same. I feel like I need to maybe come up with a different a different beginning where it's like, I want, pe- I want you to give people a background on how you got to where you are now and like what was the, you know, what was the essence of this? Because with everything we do, there was always kind of, there was a crux, right? Usually there's something that happened that caused people to go on a journey. And, you know, if you're now an award-winning speaker and podcast host, you know, you've got an amazing book and you're helping coach people um, and doing all this amazing things, that had to start somewhere. And there was must have been something along the line that made you kind of really head down this route and you've obviously been doing it for a long time now. So I'd love to give people a bit of background about you and we'd love to learn too. So I'll give it to you in like three easy steps. And then you guys tell me which one you want to dive into. So one, business failure. Two, overcame the decimated ego to start three, another business that I actually figured out how to do it right. And I'm having success now almost 10 years in, as you said, teaching people with my referral strategy. I know which one Andrew's going to gravitate towards. <laughs> well, no, I, well, no, my answer is um, I want to dive into them all, to be fair, because I think um, with real estate, more specifically than almost every other business uh, model, has an extreme, like an extortionately high failure rate. Uh, it's something like 90, is 84, 92% fail within the first year or quit within their first year. Um, and we've, now learn a lot of patterns between success and failure within real estate. Um, so obviously, a, a lot of business people have tried and failed, as by the sounds of it, you have. So I'd like to kind of get a bit of a life story and understand a bit of all three, uh, to be honest. Sure. So yes, you know, they always say 80% of all small businesses are going to fail within the first five years. And I just came like right under like the deadline to make that failure with that first business failure happen. It was four years in, I wasn't quite to the five year mark before my first business failed. And it was actually an HR consulting firm. So absolutely nothing to do with what I'm doing now. It was an HR consulting firm, big name clients, you would have thought it was successful, 
but it had some secrets. And the big secret that it had was it couldn't consistently produce potential clients, which is kind of a biggie if you actually want to have a successful business. So, you know, it failed. I had to go back to corporate America, which is really hard to do after you've had freedom from the high heels and the suits and all that politics and favoritism stuff that happens in corporate America. But I had to go back and get a job. And I had to like overcome that ego piece. And I decided to take some time and figure out, okay, there's all these other people who are, you know, I'm as smart as they are, and they seem to have successful businesses. What did I do wrong? So it was really kind of like that uh, introspection, so to speak, and figuring out, okay, so why didn't my business succeed? And then if I'm going to start a second business, what ultimately will that look like so that I can be my own boss and have the success that I'm looking for? So really, it was one of those things where when I look back on that HR consulting firm that failed, it was the consistency of touching business development with the rhythm that was necessary to have the pipeline full of prospects so that I could get enough people to say yes to being clients so that the business could be successful. And then, of course, there's a lot of other stuff that comes with that, like scalability. You can't scale when you're drowning. And I was constantly drowning. And then there's other things that kind of go into that, too, like around mindset and all kinds of things that lead ultimately to a business failure. So that was mine. It is, you know, I think a lot of people are like, People try to tell me all the time, like, oh, no, you didn't fail. You just learned. I'm like, why are we so scared to call it what it is? Like, I failed. I had to go back to corporate America and get a job. I had to shut down the LLC, take my shingle down, um, and then go back to corporate America. But it was in that time period where I realized all the things I had done wrong and all the things I wanted to do different moving forward, which has, of course, led me to now 10 years into my second business, having a lot of success goes direct back to that business failure. Yeah, I think this is so relatable. I mean, it's relatable. I've I've lost businesses for sure. I know Peter has as well. We both have, and um, that I haven't had to go back to corporate America. That's the one thing I haven't <laughs> had to do. I have uh, subsequently found other businesses. I have not had to go and get um, re-employed. Um, so I can imagine how much of like a bitter pill that was to swallow, though, because like it's a huge reason people get into real estate. Like it's a massive reason. You know, everyone, it's like they want time, money, freedom. And, you know, it's like, I don't want to work in corporate. I want to sell homes. I want to get paid, you know, 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand to sell a home, sell a few of them a year, and then be able to, you know, hang out with my family, husband, whatever, wife, and kind of live the American dream. I always think about this when it's when we when we speak about real estate. Obviously, me and Peter are deep in the in the real estate world, and I I just think real estate is the niche that kind of sums up the American dream and what people kind of perceive, which is time, money, freedom, and kind of do what you want when you want to do it. But then the reality of it <laughs> is very very different, um, um, and it's kind of. It's not a lie we're sold. I think it's just people have unrealistic expectations of how long things take. Um, and we fall into that bucket too, <laughs> for sure. You know, I I think it's so funny. Way back in the day, like 
way back in like before I was even, was I married? I don't even remember now um, if I was even married or engaged or whatever, but I actually got my real estate license and I was a real estate agent. I did it part-time. I had a full-time job and I did it, you know, part-time with the air quotes, part-time real estate. Give me a break. It's like night <laughs> and weekends. Right. And I did it. And I had a really successful first year. I think I, I closed like eight houses in eight months or whatever. And it was a great, wow. it was the ability to put money aside for like the honeymoon and like, you know, all the things. And I'll never forget showing houses when my son was six months old. So I guess I had my uh, license for about four or five years. My son was about six months old and I was showing houses with him strapped to my chest and a baby Bajorn because the babysitter canceled. And I was like, I'm out. Like to your point, real estate may sound awesome because you have the freedom to like make your own schedule, except you're going when the clients can go look at houses right. if you're right, working with buyers. And then, of course, you're usually negotiating every major contract at like nine o'clock at night, not yeah. at like, you know, 10 a.m. in the morning. And so yeah. it was, it, it was, it, you know, and it, as I think real estate was amazing and I really enjoyed it. But I used to have this, the, I don't mean to offend anybody who's listening since you, they're all real estate agents, but I used to have this saying when people would be like, how do you like real estate? I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be the best career ever if it weren't for the people. Like just that idea, like you're dealing with emotions and, you know, everyone having opinions and their biggest investment that they're ever going to make. And then other agents and, you know, it's just like this whole thing. But to your point, yes, I think that when people are like, I'm going to go out on my own, I'm going to make something happen. Real estate is definitely one place where people land. When my husband sold his restaurant after um, 15 years, I mean, there were people talking to him about, you should become a real estate agent. And you know, it's funny, I told him, I was like, I did it, but I don't think I could ever pass that real estate exam again to get my license, but he's a little bit smarter than me. So he probably could, but it is, it's, it's, I think it's one of the things that just talked about with people that, Hey, if you're looking for an option to have that time, money, you know, freedom piece, then yeah. real estate could definitely be an option, but it's just, it, that's not necessarily the reality. Not if you want to be successful, however you define that. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting here smiling because like everything that you described is literally my life. One Oh one. They go <laughs> like yesterday writing up a lease to then get something done on me. Hey, why don't I pull the condo docs? I just to keep in mind, I'm like two hours into the deal at this point. And this, this was probably, I'm just, you know, I'm just tired. It was after the weekend and I'm like, want to get this done. I finally, finally, finally found the property for, 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 for this couple. I pulled the condo docs after setting it up. In, inside of app files, which is like a, you know, like a Panadoc, DocuSign, it's automated signature. And the first thing that it says on the front page says no pickup trucks. Lo and behold, what do my clients have? <laughs> a fucking pickup truck. Not one. Two. And Two. I'm like, oh my God, it is 11 o'clock at night. I'm like falling asleep at my desk. I actually fell asleep on my little couch here with my dog right next to me. Talk about time freedom. You don't have time freedom you have time freedom to when your clients are available. So while most people finish work at five, you're in the car from five until seven or eight. This whole daylight savings time is really screwing with us because now <laughs> we have less less than one hour, right, um, of, of, of daytime, which means I can see quote unquote less houses. But now it means that I'm in front of a computer a lot longer on the Zoom showing people houses and explaining them why they're going to put in an offer on a $450,000 house that's worth three fifty dollars that will never appraise and they don't understand because they think that this appraisal gap thing doesn't exist anymore because the contracts change. I'm yeah. like, 
Come on, that was, big, that was a big vent. That I mean, everyone's listening. It's been like Jesus. It's like we're in a, some type of therapy session right now. <laughs> but yes, and I think real estate agents yeah. need the therapy. They sometimes need that, you know, that session to just get it all out. I mean, yeah, my, my we're selling my mom's house right now, and I was talking to the agent that has the, that's representing the buyers, and he was like, "Okay, the house appraised," and I was like what do you mean the racket appraised? Cause that's what the appraisal process is. Don't tell me the house appraised for exactly what you offered. And then tell me that's an, a real appraisal. He was like, exactly. Good news is we'll be able to close. And I was like, okay, whatever. But yes, there's, there's a lot of things. I think the thing is, is like, what, like we we like, we actively do this. So like we genuinely know exactly what it's like. It's not some pie in the sky notion of like, here's what, you know, the top agents are doing and we're not, selling homes like we know what it's like every day and i think it's it's interesting because we all share similar experiences i i, I mean it's amazing that you actually did get into real estate and you to be fair part-time to have sold eight homes in your first year is that's really good that's really fucking good like really good you know you. You, you might not have been too bad at this stacy if you'd stuck with it because eight years part time in your first year, you 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 were on for a win. Most agents look to get the one deal per month, right? Like that's like the holy grail. Full, Full time, time. first you year. You know, I so, should go tell my kids if you just hadn't come along, I could be like the most successful agent ever. No, that's the Peter take Peter's daughter's Leah. The other day, was it him, Leah at the door showing homes or whatever you're doing, going to see a seller's house? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Saturday. My wife was sleeping, you know, she's, she's pregnant. And I was like, let me do something nice, which by the way, I got in trouble for that because apparently I was out too long and the baby didn't go to sleep. And then we had other plans. Long story short, I took the kid with me. I roll up. My clients are, think it's the cutest thing ever. I'm like, awesome. Glad that you're supportive. <laughs> but the moral of the story is like, gotta, gotta teach the kid, you know, the business early on. If she wants to take over the empire, She's got to earn the stripes. <laughs> you know? She's out there doing it at, what is she now, one and a half? Yeah, I said, if, I, if my one and a half year old can do this, no excuse why you can't, right? And you're telling us part-time <laughs> eight deals? Come on. <laughs> Come on. And I want to know how you're doing eight deals part-time. Yeah, you know? yeah, there's got to be something. Maybe we'll unpack at the end. But with that being said, thanks. For the, the introduction was amazing. Actually, it's great to learn. Like I said, we love to learn a bit more about you and bit some con uh, contextual background. But obviously, what you're doing now, which is what we're really all here to learn about, because I'm sure we're going to uh, we're going to have to execute against some of the stuff we learned today, is referrals. Now we all know that the king, right? Of word of mouth, the king of advertising, like referrals is basically the king of business. Like if you are not closing a shitload, if you can't basically close almost every referral and they're qualified, there's something usually pretty wrong. Um, but I want to learn more about what you do, what you teach. And I want to dive into topic one, which is the real definition of a referral. So let's unpack that. Yeah. Okay. So here's my question for you guys. If I were to say, Hey, I've got a new client for you. It's, I'm going to refer them to you. Why do you get so excited? I'm totally putting you guys on the spot. But if I say, Hey, I got a new client for you. I'm going to refer them over to you. Why do you get so excited at the idea of a referred client? Okay. Easy one for me. I'll, I'll take this first. Uh, because when someone refers someone else, they are putting their reputation on the line that you're a decent person. And people's reputation is the thing that usually matters to them most because it coincides with their status amongst their friends and family. 
So the fact that I, if I said to Peter, hey, go to this restaurant, it's really good. And then he t- told me he had a really shit time and they, uh, you know, his kid got sick. I would feel like shit, right? <laughs> and I, and that's my referral, right? And then what happens? I don't refer that that place ever again. So it's to do with the fact that like my word is my bond and most every decent human is the same. So if you're saying go to this person, they're good at what they do. Go to this real estate agent, they're good. They're going to treat you well. They're going to do a good job. And then they don't. It's not like you look at them in a different way. They also feel like shit. So that's why. From my so side. That, yeah. So that trust transferred reputation on the line. They, You know, you know they're already going to trust you because they trust Absolutely. the person. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. I would say for me, it's the same, right? It's that trust triangle. Um, I think it also cuts down the need or the requirement to validate whether you're the right person to speak with as well, right? Because the other person is saying you are the authority, you need to speak with this person. So you're coming in and the ground is a little bit differently established, which then you don't have to, you know, start the foundation from ground zero is because nine out of 10 times, the person, if you've coached them and you've mentored them or, or showed them how you like to be introduced, does the initial heavy lift for you, at least from, from my experience, because we're very big on edification. We're very big on, you know, showing how we'd like to be referred, at least Andrew and I are, uh, to put us in the best position, but also hit the ground running and go faster, right? Like I can be a little bit more candid with the referrals out the gate if their expectations are reasonable, for example, or if they're looking for a needle in the haystack, just because that, um, I think that relationship is kind of passed down to the person that is referring and to the person is being referred and to the person that actually is taking that referral. Yeah. The, the other thing just to, this is kind of to do with your question. It, well, it is, but also the thing about doing a good job and a referral from like a business perspective is referrals are non-linear. They're, they're, um, they're exponential in their growth. Same as word of mouth, same thing in my mind, referral word of mouth, like coincide, um, which is if someone, if for example, both you, Stacey and Peter have an amazing experience with me. And then you both speak to two other people and refer me. And then they have a great experience. It's exponential. It's not costing me any more, but each person's having an amazing experience. Therefore, your business can grow ridiculously fast in a way. It takes a long time to get the to get the growth curve. For anyone listening, if you want to kind of visualize it, go and Google search Warren Buffett's net worth just because it's an amazing graph to see the power of like compounding over time, which is it was basically looked flat for, you know, I don't know how many decades. And then all of a sudden over a few years, it's worth, he's worth, you know, $200 billion. And it seemed to happen in like two years, but it was actually all that kind of, you know, worth and value and compounding built over two decades. And I think that's another thing that I love about referral business because I've got another a business and that is a hundred percent referral based now. Like I, I, we used to run ads to get clients. We used to do content to get clients. And now it's 100% referral based because we do a great job for everyone. And now I don't need to run ads. I don't need to promote it because I just get enough business 
coming to me because people like, hey, I spoke with X. They said you did an amazing job. I want to come. It's not. And also price and things like that don't become an issue either because a lo- most people don't have a problem with price. They have a they want to know you could, you're capable and competent of doing what they want you to do. And the fact a referral implies the competency is already there, which is most people's biggest hurdle. Yeah. So exactly like everything you guys said really kind of sums up why we get so excited, right? We're like, oh, yes, a referral. They're going to be quicker to close. They're going to be usually easier to close. They're going to be less price sensitive because they already trust us because they're borrowing the trust of the person, right? Who's putting their reputation on the line to refer us to them. And it's this whole concept of when we think about all those parts as to why we get so excited about a referral, that allows us to break down what the actual definition is. So if we're thinking about, okay, we're excited that we were referred because they means they're less price sensitive, quicker to close, easier to close, and they've been connected to us. They've been, you know, the trust has been transferred. That comes down to say, okay, well, then there's two things that make a referral a referral. So all of those points can be true about why we want them. Number one is there's always a personal connection. So there is always what we call a referral source who is going to say, you got to call Peter, right? He's your guy, right? So there is always a referral source that's going to connect you to the prospect. The second point is there's always going to be a need identified. The prospect is going to know they're the prospect. Like they're the buyer mentality mode. They're ready for this. They're ready to meet with you because they need you. Like there's a whole point, like, it's not like you get introduced to someone and you're like, Hey, why did I just get connected to this person over email? Like, great. Except I don't know who's the buyer in this situation. When a client is referred to you or a potential client is referred to you, they have been connected to you and the need has been identified, which means word of mouth buzz and referrals are actually two different things. Word of mouth buzz is really, really close to being a referral, but it's not an actual referral because there's usually in word of mouth buzz, no connection made. That doesn't mean that the word of mouth buzz client or potential client can't reach out to you on their own and like flip themselves into a referral because they do. But for a referral to be a referral, the way we look at it is you've got to be connected by the referral source to the prospect because if not, then there's just a whole bunch of people out there who know you're awesome and will one day maybe get around to actually calling you. And it doesn't put you in the driver's seat. Now, word of mouth buzz, it's not a bad thing. And I always tell folks like, I want you to know when you're, you know, running into somebody at the Starbucks line, or you're having a conversation with an old client, and they're like, Oh, yeah, I was just talking about you the other day to somebody who actually needs a real estate agent. And I was just talking to them about you. And I told them they had to call you. I even gave them your number. And you're like, great, who is this person who needs to become my client? And you don't know who it is because you haven't been connected to them. So I want you to know what word of mouth buzz is in the moment because I want you to know that, hey, this isn't an actual referral so that we can flip it into one, but also for you to understand that when you do receive a true referral, it is the perfect scenario. It is the the trust has been transferred by the connection to you. You know who the prospect is. They know that they're the prospect. And of course, then there's still the qualification piece that has to happen. But the idea behind that is, is that's how we define a true referral is based on the outcome of why we want them. 
which is personal connection, need identified, which means terms like word of mouth buzz or introductions or even warm leads that we use interchangeably with referrals are actually four different types of leads or four different types of prospects. And I want you to always be able to recognize which one is a referral, which one is just an introduction, which one is just word of mouth buzz, so you know how to respond accordingly. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I've never really thought about it, um, breaking it down into different tiers. And, you know, when you do think about it, they are different, right? Because some people it is, in fact, I, this reminds me of the last client I closed from my other company, which was a re- referral. It was a, it was the worst type, which you basically just described, which was, I told someone about you. And I was <laughs> like, who? Like, do I have an email? Do I have a phone number? And, and I just got nothing. And then it was about a month later, I just got this email. And they're like, hey, this guy introduced us to you. I wanted to reach out. And I was like, oh, fuck. So he did, like, eventually he came my way. But for that solid month, I'd forgotten after about 24 hours because everything's mental busy. But it was kind of like, I got this text. It was actually a WhatsApp message from my brother-in-law. And he was just like, yeah, I've referred you this guy. He's doing this. He's wanting to do some big stuff. Like, you you know, you should connect. And I'm like, great. What email did you send me? What's his email? Who is he? Like anything. And I was just heard nothing. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, even worse when it's from family. Oh, I, well, it's like you, it, you got, I think you got ghosted by your brother-in-law. That doesn't, his, his business does do 120 million a year. So yeah, he's a little right. busy. He's a little busy. I give him, I let him, I let him slide a couple of times because like there's busy, which is what I'd say we all probably are within equal minds. And then there's that level of busy, which is, <laughs> I don't really know how he functions within a 24 hour day, but apparently he does. So, <laughs> so, so I, I, I let, I let, I have to let some stuff slide. Um, but you know, ultimately it's, a, it's another client. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Now, before you go, we're giving access to a private training we did where we revealed the top three niches to get listings today completely for free. So if you want access, you can go and download that training at EliteAgentSecrets.com. We're regularly releasing new trainings, guides, and cheat sheets. So make sure to head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com and sign up so you don't miss out.